Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 13, Consider the Gull. One of my earliest memories from the seashore is of seagulls dropping mussels on the rocks. My grandmother lived on a cove with a gravel and boulder-strewn beach, and we would watch the gulls forage for shellfish. Upon finding a clam or mussel, they would fly up into the air 20, 30, or 40 feet and drop the bivalve onto the rocks below, swooping down to where it landed. If all went well, the clam or mussel would hit the rock and crack open, giving the gull full access to the soft and nutritious organism inside. Find, fly, drop, swoop, eat, repeat. I remember my grandmother explaining to me what they were doing, and we watched as these clever birds outwitted the shellfish defenses evolved over millions of years. Scientists characterize this behavior as proto-tool use, not quite rising to the level of an object that serves as an extension of the body held in the mouth or the hand, enabling a target outcome, but not that far off either. And while maybe not chimpanzee or dolphin smart, gulls as a group are intelligent and adaptable animals that deserve more attention than many of us give them. The gulls we were watching were undoubtedly herring gulls, Laris argentatus, the most commonly encountered gull in the part of the world where I live. Herring gulls are one of 54 species of birds classified as gulls in the family Laridae, which also includes terns and skimmers. Mainly found associated with the coastal ocean or inland waterways, the Laridae have a worldwide distribution and are found on all continents, even Antarctica. For those of us used to seeing gulls around all of the time, it may come as a surprise that they are migratory, some more so than others. If you pay even a tad more attention, however, you will know this is true. Where I live in Maine, there are summer gulls and winter gulls and the gulls we have around all the time. Herring gulls and great blackback gulls are year-round residents here, though we may just be in the overlap of their summer and winter ranges. Ringbill gulls breed inland, but show up on the coast in the winter, as do the Glaucus gulls, Iceland, and Bonaparte's gulls. Laughing gulls arrive in the summer with the tourists. Birders bemoan gulls because as common as they seem, they are notoriously difficult to identify. The larger gulls, like herring and great blackback gulls, take four years to reach full adult plumage, at which time they are more readily identifiable. In the interim, however, the young birds pass through various stages of indeterminate mottled plumage. Smaller gulls can take less time to develop more readily identifiable plumage, but it's still on the order of years. This delayed maturation is uncommon among birds as a whole, and several studies have investigated its origin in gulls. The leading hypothesis is that young birds are less efficient foragers, and that it takes them several years to gain the skills to find enough food to successfully rear young. The trade-off of delayed sexual maturity is paid off in higher overall reproductive success over the course of a lifetime, and gulls do tend to be long-lived birds. One of the oldest herring gulls in captivity was documented as living 49 years. One study found a significant correlation between the years to sexual maturity and the development of feeding efficiency. The faster you reach adult plumage and sexual maturity as a species, the faster you gain adult-level feeding efficiency. So young gulls have to learn over time how to drop shellfish under rocks and not back into the water or on the mud, and that they don't have to waste energy dropping sea stars or other soft-bodied prey, lessons that apparently take years to learn. And speaking of learning, Gulls have a lot to teach us. We'll spend the next few weeks giving them our attention and seeing what lessons they have in store. 
This has been episode 13 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week.